Welcome to the National Vaccine Information Center's podcast series, Vaccination, Politics, Money, and Media Bias. These podcasts are from previously recorded and referenced commentaries and articles produced by MVIC, a charitable nonprofit organization. My name is Barbara Lowe Fisher. My son was injured by DPT vaccine in 1980, and this is a reference commentary brought to you by the nonprofit National Vaccine Information Center that can be read on NVIC.org. More than 1.2 million people in the United States are infected with HIV, but government officials do not ban HIV-infected children and adults from attending school, receiving medical care, being employed, or otherwise participating in society. In fact, there are anti-discrimination laws that guarantee civil rights protections for Americans infected with HIV or living with AIDS. In 2012, public health officials reported that about 2 million people in America are infected with chlamydia, tuberculosis, syphilis, and gonorrhea, and they estimate another 3 million people are infected with hepatitis C. Like those with HIV or AIDS, these citizens are not targeted for discrimination and blocked from getting a public education, being employed, or moving freely in society. Between 1963 and 1999, doctors gave live oral polio vaccine to millions of healthy American children who became infected with vaccine strain polioviruses they shed in their body fluids and transmitted sometimes causing other children and adults to contract vaccine strain polio paralysis and die. Those with compromised immune systems were at special risk for getting vaccine strain polio and shedding vaccine strain poliovirus for longer periods of time than healthy persons. Yet children recently given live oral polio vaccine were not excluded from attending school. But in 2015, after a handful of measles cases were identified at Disneyland, suddenly Americans are being asked to surrender civil liberties. We are being asked to discriminate against and condone extreme societal sanctions against fellow citizens, including removing religious and conscientious belief vaccine exemptions from state laws so children cannot attend school without 49 doses of 14 federally recommended vaccines by age six, and 20 more vaccinations by 18. How did a handful of measles cases at Disneyland turn into a full-scale assault on civil and human rights in America? Why have politicians in 12 states already filed legislation to eliminate non-medical vaccine exemptions, leaving only a very narrow medical exemption that most people cannot get? With 93% of pediatricians reporting that parents don't trust the safety of the government-recommended child vaccine schedule. Why are many of them refusing to provide medical care to children if they have not gotten every dose of every federally-recommended vaccine? No exceptions and no questions asked. Why are editorials calling for censorship of speech and for parents with unvaccinated children to be hunted down and publicly identified, sued, criminally prosecuted, and imprisoned and for doctors who criticize vaccine safety to have their medical licenses revoked. What is happening right now in America is not about measles or the public health. It all started in January 2015, after 320 million Americans had just finished ringing in the new year, and California health officials announced that nine visitors to Disneyland were infected with measles. Two weeks later, the total number of measles cases was 51. 
but no public health doctor in the country could find patient zero. That didn't stop newspapers from proclaiming that a single unvaccinated person with measles spoiled the magic kingdom and that measles is invading America because of a, quote, decline in parents having their kids vaccinated. It did not matter that the science shows measles vaccine immunity is not lifelong and wanes, just like pertussis vaccine immunity is temporary and wanes, or that it, it is illogical to put all the blame for measles at Disneyland on 1.8% of children attending school with vaccine exemptions, when 95% of children entering kindergarten have gotten two MMR shots and only 1% of children under age three are unvaccinated. With a grand total of 170 measles cases reported in 17 states by March 2015, compared to 644 cases reported in 27 states last year, and with 42% of the California-related cases documented to be in unvaccinated persons, while 13% of cases were vaccinated, there is no justification for gutting vaccine exemptions in state public health laws. Rational thinking has been the first casualty in this 21st century equivalent of a 17th century witch hunt, led by defensive doctors in government, industry, academia, and media who are fed up with parents asking them questions about vaccine risks and failures they can't answer. Assisted by communication conglomerates and astroturfers, they piously wave the science flag and call parents antisocial if they don't vaccinate, but completely ignore parents with vaccine-injured children talking about how their vaccinated children are never healthy anymore. Some of the most vicious attacks have been on families consciously choosing to stay healthy a different way, and on doctors caring for families whose children are unvaccinated or receive fewer vaccines on an altered vaccine schedule. After headlines like, quote, what would Jesus do about measles? And quote, God wants you to vaccinate your children, marked a new low in American journalism. It became clear that the so-called vaccine war is really a culture war on freedoms, values, and beliefs that have long defined who we are as a nation. How it is fought and where it ends will determine the kind of nation America will become in the 21st century. The $30 billion global vaccine market today will be worth a projected $100 billion or more in 10 years. A lucrative public-private business partnership has been forged between government and the pharmaceutical industry with your tax dollars to develop hundreds of new vaccines. Drug companies completely shielded from product liability because Congress and the U.S. Supreme Court have declared vaccines to be, quote, unavoidably unsafe, are rushing to licensure genetically engineered vaccines for syphilis, gonorrhea, herpes, HIV AIDS, tuberculosis, chlamydia, hepatitis C, E. coli, cytomegalovirus, Ebola, salmonella, norovirus, adenovirus, enterovirus, asthma, diabetes, obesity, high blood pressure, anti-smoking, anti-cocaine, and anti-heroin use, and many more that pharma and government will want many adults as well as children to buy and use. The new National Adult Immunization Plan aggressively targets pregnant women, employers and their employees, faith-based groups and other adults for increased vaccine use. 
Healthcare workers are already being fired if they do not get an annual flu shot, a vaccine that works less than half the time and was completely ineffective this year. The next profession on the firing line is the teaching profession. A doctor turned politician in Vermont is pushing a bill to require teachers and everyone working in a school to prove they have gotten government recommended vaccines or be revaccinated. Will your profession be next on that list? Will laws be passed not only to deny you a public education, but prevent you from obtaining health insurance, entering a doctor's office, hospital, or retirement home, boarding a bus, plane, or train, buying a ticket for a movie or football game, shopping in a store, getting a driver's license, filing your taxes, or otherwise participating in and freely moving in society unless you show proof you've gotten every government-recommended vaccine? Will your healthy, unvaccinated children be taken from you? And will you be fined and thrown in prison? Prison? Will public health officials with police power knock on your door one day and take you to a quarantine camp or forcibly administer vaccines to you and your children without your voluntary informed consent? Even if you and your children have willingly received every government recommended vaccine today, if non-medical exemptions are removed from U.S. vaccine laws, you will have no choice if you decide you do not want to use every new liability-free vaccine that government recommends tomorrow. This vaccine culture war is about a lot more than vaccination. Because if the state can tag, track down, and force you against your will to be injected with biologicals of known and unknown toxicity today, then there will be no limit on which other freedoms the state can take away in the name of the greater good tomorrow. Are you ready to fight for your freedom? If you are, here is what you can do. Get involved. Participate in our democracy. Become an active user of the free online vaccine choice advocacy network at nvicadvocacy.org and work with other people in your state to take action. You will receive email action alerts and be put in direct electronic contact, contact with your own legislators so you can call or email them and show up to testify at legislative hearings. Invite your friends and family to do the same. Witness. If you experienced vaccine reactions and are now chronically ill or disabled, you can share your experience with others. You are not alone. Vaccine reactions and injuries are not as rare as doctors want to admit to themselves or to patients and parents. Today, everybody knows somebody who was healthy, got vaccinated, and was never healthy again. If you're a parent and watched your child scream for hours or collapse, twitch and jerk, or regress physically, mentally, and emotionally, and become a totally different child in the days and weeks after vaccination, you have witnessed a serious event that you can talk about with other people, including legislators representing you in your state capitol and in Congress. If your child was revaccinated and you observed the same symptoms or your child's health got worse, it is compelling scientific evidence of a causal relationship between vaccination and what happened to your child. In scientific studies, this is called challenge rechallenge. And what you saw is called clinical observation. Even though when parents do the observing, most doctors dismiss what happened 
as anecdotal evidence or a coincidence that has no value at all. What you witnessed happen to your child after vaccination does have value because your child's life has value. Don't let a doctor or anyone else bully and shame you into being afraid to talk about what, ha what you saw happen after vaccination, especially if your child is now chronically ill or disabled and has been diagnosed with learning disabilities, ADHD, epilepsy, autoimmunity, autism, or communication developmental or disruptive behavior disorders, asthma, allergy, or other brain and immune, and immune system dysfunction. Witnessing about what happened after vaccination is a way to help others understand that every life has value and no person's life should be considered expendable and that we must never forget that universal truth. Report. It is estimated that only between 1 and 10% of serious vaccine-associated reactions, hospitalizations, injuries, and deaths are ever reported to the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, even though federal law requires all vaccine providers to make reports. If your doctor refuses to file a vaccine reaction report, you can do it yourself. Go to mvic.org and learn how. If you or your child were bullied or threatened with loss of employment, medical care, health insurance, federal food or housing assistance, the right to attend school, or anything else because of your vaccination status, you can make a report to your state and federal legislators. Register for the MVIC Advocacy Portal today to be put into direct electronic contact with them. On MVIC.org, you can also report a vaccine reaction to MVIC's Vaccine Reaction Registry and share your experiences with others by posting a vaccine harassment report on the Cry for Vaccine Freedom Wall, or create a page on the Memorial for Vaccine Victims, or report a vaccine failure on the Vaccine Failure Wall. Learn more. Become educated about infectious diseases and the science, policy, law, and ethics of vaccination. Go to mvic.org to find fully referenced, accurate information you can trust. Now, I'm going to review five myths and facts that will help you understand what the vaccine culture war is really about. Vaccine culture war myth number one. Most medical doctors say that vaccines do not cause injury or death, so it must be true. Doctors who say vaccines are safe for everyone and do not cause injury and death are either uninformed, in denial, or lying. Since the first vaccine for smallpox, doctors have known and it has been well documented that brain inflammation, permanent brain damage, and death have always been among the most serious complications of vaccination. Just like any other pharmaceutical product, vaccines carry a risk of injury or death. These risks can be greater for some people with genetic, biological, and environmental risk factors that doctors do not understand or cannot predict. Knowing this, Congress in 1986 and the U.S. Supreme Court in 2011 declared vaccines to be unavoidably unsafe and shielded drug companies from all product liability. If you or your child are injured or die after vaccination, you cannot hold the drug company that makes and profits from the vaccine or anyone who regulates, promotes, administers, or mandates the vaccine accountable in a civil court of law in front of a jury of your peers. 
Seatbelt manufacturers have product liability, but vaccine manufacturers do not. Doctors can be sued for malpractice, except when they administer vaccinations that injure or kill a person. Vaccines are the only product government mandates and completely indemnifies. The federal government has paid $3 billion in compensation to victims of vaccine injury and death under the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act of 1986. Vaccine culture war myth number two. People who question vaccine safety are ignorant and do not understand the science. Just the opposite is true. Most people who question vaccine safety are very intelligent and understand the difference between good science and bad science. Studies reveal that mothers and fathers with college or postgraduate degrees are the ones who most often question the safety of vaccines. They're wondering whether government policy directing pediatricians to give children three times as many vaccinations as children got 30 years ago is safe, effective, and necessary. If growing concerns among parents about vaccination was simply due to ignorance, two decades of reports published by the Institute of Medicine would not have found large knowledge gaps in vaccine safety science. For example, there are fewer than 40 published studies evaluating the safety of the federally recommended child vaccine schedule for infants and children under age six. Vaccine culture war myth number three. People who do not vaccinate are selfish and don't care about the public health. While we are all born equal with equal rights under the law, we are not born all the same. Each one of us is born with different genes and a unique microbiome influenced by epigenetics that affects how we respond to diseases and pharmaceutical products like vaccines. Many Americans no longer vaccinate today because the risks of vaccination turned out to be 100% for them, their children or other family members. They have good reason to believe that the genes they were born with make them more susceptible to vaccine harm. But often these former vaccinators cannot find a doctor to write a medical exemption because almost no health condition qualifies for a medical exemption to vaccination anymore. Unless you are dying of cancer and on chemotherapy, have had a recent organ transplant, or have the most severe combined immune deficiency, most doctors will not grant you a medical exemption. Non-medical vaccine exemptions are the only way vaccine vulnerable families can protect their lives. Some Americans use fewer vaccines or remain unvaccinated because they have chosen a different path to health. They focus on boosting immune function with good nutrition, exercise, avoiding environmental toxins, and using holistic health alternatives that do not re rely on heavy use of pharmaceutical products. They are significantly contributing to the public health because they and their children are very healthy. It is not selfish to want to make informed choices about how to stay healthy. It is not selfish to protect yourself and your children from harm, especially if you believe your family is more susceptible to vaccine injury. If everyone protects their own health and the health of their children, the public health will be protected. Vaccine culture war myth number four. Science trumps religious beliefs. 
so religious exemptions to vaccination should be eliminated. The attack on Americans with religious or spiritual beliefs is central to the political agenda driving this cultural war. Fellow citizens who do not believe there is a God are demanding that those who have faith in God be required to place the same faith in science and doctors. There is a big difference between fallible human beings and God, but some doctors do not understand this. One prominent pediatrician vaccine developer who insists that babies can safely be given 10,000 vaccines on the same day has publicly ridiculed religious beliefs, but now is hypocritically quoting Holy Scripture and comparing Disneyland to the Garden of Eden. Invoking the name of Jesus, he is trying to shame Christian parents refusing to obey his orders to give their children every government-recommended vaccine, including the one he created that has made him a very rich man. I remember many years ago when a public health doctor promoting the no shots, no school campaign in America suggested I was selfish for declining to give my two youngest children pertussis vaccine, even though my oldest son was DPT vaccine injured. Implicit was a suggestion that I had no right to protect my own children's health if it conflicted with what doctors believe protects the public health. I looked him straight in the eyes and said, Doctor, whether or not I put my child's life on the line for you and your vaccine is between me and my God and not between me and you. As mothers, we carry our babies inside us for nine months. We give birth. We love them more than we thought we could ever love anyone. And we nurture them throughout childhood so they can grow up to be productive adult members of society. We are responsible for their health. And we are the ones who care for them when they become sick and unable to care for themselves for any reason. And we are the ones who weep at their graves if they die before we do. You do not have to belong to an organized religion or state-recognized church to hold sincere religious or spiritual beliefs about health and vaccination. As a mother or father, you have the God-given natural right to use the brain and gut instincts God gave you to consider the evidence, examine your conscience, pray for guidance, and exercise the human right to inform consent to medical risk-taking on behalf of your minor child. Do not let a doctor, government employee, or politician take that God-given right away from you. It is a violation of religious freedom to force vaccination when you hold religious or spiritual beliefs opposing use of one or more vaccines. And it is a violation of the human spirit to force you to disobey the certain judgment of your conscience. Vaccine culture war myth number five. It is ethical for government to sacrifice the few for the many. Based on hedonism and a mathematical equation, this philosophy is called utilitarianism and comes from the word utility. The utilitarian rationale was created as a guide for legislators making public policy by an 18th century British social reformer, Jeremy Bentham, whose mummified head 
is being preserved by the University College London, where a wax version is on public display. In 1905, the U.S. Supreme Court used Bentham's utilitarian rationale to rule in Jacobson versus Massachusetts that state legislatures had the power to enact mandatory smallpox vaccination laws. American eugenicists and social reformers embraced utilitarianism in the early 20th century. They argued that government has the legal right to discriminate against a minority of citizens judged to be genetically defective or a threat to the health and welfare of society. In 1923, U.S. Supreme Court Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes gave the green light to the state of Virginia to forcibly sterilize a young woman, Carrie Buck, because doctors judged her to be mentally retarded, just like her daughter and mother. Coldly, Holmes proclaimed, three generations of imbeciles are enough and said, the principle that sustains compulsory vaccination is broad enough to cover cutting the fallopian tubes. It turns out Carrie Buck was not mentally retarded and neither was her daughter or mother. Doctors and public health officials in the Third Reich implemented utilitarianism in its most extreme form to justify conducting horrific scientific experiments on captive people. The Nuremberg Tribunal justices presiding over the doctor's trial after World War II declared utilitarianism to be a pseudo-ethic. They issued the Nuremberg Code outlining the informed consent principle which has guided research on humans and the ethical practice of medicine ever since. The Institute of Medicine has confirmed that some individuals have known and unknown genetic risk factors that make them more susceptible to vaccine injury and death. This means forced vaccination laws that fail to include flexible medical and non-medical exemptions become a utilitarian de facto selection of the genetically vulnerable for sacrifice. Is America really going to walk down that road? Are we going to punish citizens for the genes they were born with in the name of the public health? Are we going to slide down the slippery slope of utilitarianism and ignore the profound ethical and legal questions that remain? Who gets to decide what protects the public health? Which individuals should be sacrificed? And how many is too many? Industry and government have refused to fund good science to better understand the biological mechanisms for vaccine injury and death and whether there are important health differences between vaccinated and unvaccinated people and whether increased vaccine use during the past 30 years is a major cofactor in the unexplained chronic disease and disability epidemic plaguing America. With one child in six diagnosed with learning disabilities one in nine with asthma, one in 50 with autism, and one in 400 with diabetes, and millions of Americans suffering with cancer and other immune and brain disorders that cost our nation $3 trillion a year to treat. Isn't it time for government to explain to taxpayers exactly why vaccine safety science should be left off our nation's scientific research agenda? Perhaps they already know they don't have to do that. 
because they are getting laws passed to hunt down and vaccinate every last child and adult in America. Eliminating non-medical vaccine exemptions will guarantee that scientific evaluation of health outcome differences between vaccinated and unvaccinated people in America will never be done. The future of health and freedom in America is in our hands. It is in your hands. It's your health, your family, your choice. Before you take a risk, find out what it is. To learn more about vaccines, diseases, and the human right to informed consent, visit mvic.org, the website of the nonprofit charity, the National Vaccine Information Center. Since 1982, MVIC has worked to prevent vaccine injuries and deaths through public education and to secure informed consent protections in U.S. vaccine policies and laws. Visit mvic.org and mvicadvocacy.org to get well-referenced vaccine information that you can trust and share with your family, friends, and members of your community. It's your health, your family, your choice.